Of course, the day I can taste, we're tasting this shit. (laughs) This is Bourbon Pursuit, the official podcast of bourbon, bringing to you the best in news, reviews, and interviews with people making the bourbon whiskey industry happen. And I'm one of your hosts, Kenny Coleman. Cracking the can on a warm day It sounds like something out of a commercial. And over the past year, we've talked about RTDs, or the ready-to-drink category, and really it beginning to explode because of things like High Noon. And now major bourbon brands are moving into this space since canned cocktails, their accessibility, lower alcohol content, and mixability make them appealing gateway for newcomers while still leveraging the whiskey's premium status. Though launching requires significant investment, the potential for brand awareness and category growth is alluring. And in this episode, Brian, Fred, and myself, we sip on five different bourbon-based RTDs, and we give our theories on the canned cocktail popularity, health concerns, ingredients, and where we see the category could expect to go. With that, enjoy this week's episode, and now here's Fred Minnick with Above the Char. I'm Fred Minnick, and this is Above the Char. This week's idea comes from Cody Walls, who writes me on fredminnick.com. That's fredminnick.com. In your opinion, what rickhouse in the entire industry consistently produces the best bourbon? Woo! Man. I know there are a ton of flippers out there who wish I would say a Deetsville warehouse or a Buffalo Trace warehouse or a Wild Turkey warehouse, but my answer is going to shock the living shit out of pretty much everybody. And that's going to be an aluminum-skinned warehouse at Jim Beam. I've tasted bourbon at all the warehouses in, well, I won't say all the warehouses, but damn it, I've tasted a lot of bourbon in a lot of warehouses, and I have never consistently tasted a bourbon so rich, so complex, at high proof levels, than the center-cut warehouses that they draw bookers from. Now, if you know your bookers, you're probably going to chop back here on the speakers and say, well, Fred, you know that not all the bookers come from one warehouse. It comes from several. Well, as a matter of fact, that is true. In particular, Warehouse H, W, O, G, Z, those are just a handful that are used. But early in my career... I went through all of them. I went through almost all of the warehouses and they all had something different, but there's just something great about those Jim Beam aluminum skinned warehouses. Now I love, I love stone warehouses. The brick warehouses are nice. I find that the pasture ones that Heaven Hill have are wonderful. The old ones that are about to fall down are great, especially wild turkeys. But again, I've never tasted a bad barrel out of a center cut, like the center of a Jim Beam warehouse. And I don't know why they don't blow that up more. I don't know why you don't have like a limited series based on each one of the rickhouses or or whatever. Maybe they have that planned. And hell, maybe they've already done it. I just It's not coming to my mind. But it's a pretty easy answer for me because I've tasted so many in there. And I was trying to get to this earlier, and then I kind of lost my place. But early in my career, Jim Beam used to bring out writers to do what they called like a a writer's table. And they would share these stories about Booker No, and we would taste all of these bourbons that came out of these warehouses that are favorite places, and they would take us to the warehouses we cracked the barrels open and we taste them. And we had such an incredible, incredible experience with that. But we also got to understand the mindset of Booker No when he was picking his barrels for Bookers. And so maybe I just had a, I have always had good access to the Jim Beam warehouses, but I've also had great access to all the other warehouses. So it's, it's not just one It's not just one warehouse, it's the warehouses that they use to draw from bookers. And I know it's several of them, but all of those are great. The most consistent warehouses out there are Four Roses, that single story. One barrel doesn't taste too differently than the other. What really, to me, drives their flavor profile 
is their yeast. You do have a lot of home runs in Dietzville. You have a lot of home runs with a lot of the wild turkey ones. But with every home run, you got some duds. And I value a warehouse that doesn't produce duds, if that makes any sense. And that's what I have felt out of the beam, some of those beam warehouses. But that's going to do it for this week's Above the Char. If you want to be like Cody, hit me up on fredminnick.com. That's fredminnick.com. Hit the contact button, send me your question. And if I like the idea, I'll read it on the air. Till next week, cheers. From their bar to yours, Chad and Sarah of the popular YouTube channel It's Bourbon Night bring you their favorite at-home old-fashioned mix with the new Elemental Elixir's Golden Hour Syrup. It's a custom-made syrup with notes of bold black tea, warm spices, and orange zest. All you need is your favorite whiskey and ice. No bitters needed. One bottle makes 16 drinks, so that's only $1 cocktail before you add your own whiskey. They can also be enjoyed in other cocktails or spirits, mocktails, coffee, tea, and anything you can think of. It's crafted locally in Lexington, Kentucky, and you can get your bottle now at whiskeyambitions.com. Ed Bly and Rising Tide Spirits are back again with a new release of Old Stubborn Bourbon. And this release of Old Stubborn is a premium hand marriage of 10, 11, and 12-year cask drink, barely filtered pot still bourbon. It comes in at a staggering 123.8 proof. And the flavoring green for this one, which the last one was weeded, but this time it's now rye. Rich, sweet, and bold with a long finish that's sure to be another eye-opener. You can order online at Sealbox or TheBourbonConcierge.com. And you can even purchase in person at Revival Vintage Spirits and even now with very few select stores in Kentucky. You can get it now while you can, but be sure to do it because it's not going to last long. And they're off for another Get 270-2020 Unicorn Raffle. Your $20 ticket gives you not one, but two chances to win from our lineup of 20 Woodford Reserve treasures, including the grand prize, the rarest unicorn yet, the Woodford Reserve Kentucky Derby 150 Baccarat Edition. Only 150 bottles were made and is just like the one the Derby winning owner receives. Quit horsing around and get your $20 tickets now at give270.org. Charitable Gaming License ORG 0002703. everybody welcome back to rtd pursuit just kidding it is bourbon pursuit but today we're going to be talking about rtds and if you don't with know bourbon with bourbon with bourbon and so this is the rtds we saw it's the ready to drink category mm-hmm. now this has been something that if you listen to this week in bourbon with ryan and i we talk about it ad nauseum because this has been something that has been in a meteoric rise however it is also getting to the point where maybe it's getting a little flooded and I want to kind of look at this and break it down because the RTD category is kind of really spawned off of where seltzers were that turned into vodka-based seltzers, and now it's kind of opened up the door to everything else. And really, the topic of conversation is, well, A, we're going to drink some as we do this. And I picked up a few at our local Total Wine, so thank you, Total Wine, for being a sponsor of ours. But this was something that I said, well, let's go ahead. We'll try some as we go through here to kind of figure out what is the overall captivation of like why do people gravitate towards RTDs? Where can bourbon fit into RTDs? Because it's not the easiest spirit considering it's not a clear liquid. And as well as for consumers getting into it, as well as kind of going through here and trying to figure out which one do we like the best? So a lot of ways to take it. I will say, and you're going to talk about the brands that are up here, but there's one brand that I absolutely love. It's called Sipony. S-I-P-O-N-Y. Well, they just, they're gone it, off the shelves. Yeah, they're, they're not a total one, apparently. Yeah, they're a small little brand, but it's started by a former colleague of mine. She's a taster, Amanda Victoria, and just a really incredible job they do. They add, like, do honey and, like, rye whiskey. And the fact, yeah, I've talked about this before, but you know I love honey. I love, yeah, you, I love you, encouraging you love bees. I love, I love real honey, not the fake shit. So Not the... Well, I shouldn't say that. Never mind. What were you going to say? No, no, no. I'm not going to say it. Say it. I was going to say, not the flavor man version of honey. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> well, actually, and now that you say it, 
this is kind of all coming back to an episode we did last season when we actually talked to Flavor Man to try to figure out what's it take to make a whiskey RTD. And today we're going to break it down a little bit more. So here we go. Ready? All right. It's the first time ever oh. Kenny loud noises. Do you remember when he used to yell it out? like, no bottle pulls, no <laughs> carnivals, <pulls, laughs> yeah, no glass slapping. This sounds refreshing, though, when that happens, yeah. right? So I'm going to go ahead. Oh, this is the Jim oh. Beam Classic Highball. Mm. Is it looks what this very is. clear. It is. You're right. This is- It's so, been fat washed. <laughs> <laughs> well, you got to remember, this is also, I think, what's it, 5 or 7% ABV? Is this actually bourbon? Yeah, made with bourbon, and it's five percent. Interesting. Oh man, this is this is like I can't believe how like, clear it is. For this smells like throw up. <laughs> well, to be I'm fair, I'm actually serious. This is disgusting smelling. All right. Well, to be to be fair, <laughs> I've had these before. We're not going. There's no nosing though. It's hard to do. <laughs> like, hold on now. <laughs> you remember you're on the golf course drinking these. It's like. Uh, but I remember their their ginger highball was actually very good. All right, so we got the Jim Beam Classic, which is bourbon and seltzer with a hint. Okay, of the citrus. reason why so, I say it smells like throw up is because it actually smells like Seven Up, like, okay. which is what I is that was you, you drink when you throw up. See, the thing I like about this one, okay, because a lot of these have a ton of sugar and calories. This one's only 105 calories. I don't see sugar con, but only three carbs. So it's in that high noon kind of, you know, that's what you I think what? high noon and all those seltzers. Because kind of, I drink alcohol for the nutritional. That's, well, well, <laughs> I know, but, but the thing, that, but the thing is some of these have 20, 30 grams of sugar and you're like, yeah, that's true. And a hundred, 200 plus calories. And it's like, if I'm going to sit there and drink a few on the lake or golf oh, course, I don't want. God. Well, so let's, let's talk about that. Let's, let's talk about why the category exists. So, oh yeah. Sorry, I'm with Fred. Oh it's, my God. it's not the best representation. This That's why I said I wish, had, I wish they had the ginger version because you add a little bit of ginger to it. It tastes like ginger ale and little, bourbon, not even bourbon and ginger is like a match made in heaven. Exactly. It is. Actually. This one, I think I had reviewed it before. It does. It tastes exactly like bourbon and seltzer. Anyway, I kind of want to also talk about the gradual progression of like why people get into this category and really why it exists. And Ryan, you made a really good point is that you said, oh, this is kind of like the high noon side of things. And that has been an explosion of where we see the growth in regards of what people are gravitating towards and getting. So this is a this is a move away from craft beer. It's a move away from beer in general because, Ryan, you say it best, makes you feel bloated, makes you feel like. Well, even to move away from the malt seltzers, you know, most seltzers, you know, they've been around forever. You had Smirnoff and Zima and God knows what in the 90s. That, now, that now never, and now White Claw, truly, this and that. But those, even me, they're like, kind of filling and the flavors just give me heartburn. But High Noon, when I found High Noon. Well, some of them are all too artificial. Yeah, yeah, right? exactly. I want to make sure we also talk about these as well when we go through these. Like sometimes they can also feel too artificial. Exactly. But when I've discovered High Noon, gosh, I think it was in Florida in like 2019. I was just like, oh my gosh, these things are great because it's like drinking a vodka soda with a little bit of flavor. I know Fred hates vodka, but when you're on the boat or a golf course, the beach, lake, you can't bring glass. It's hard to make drinks. And so just that canned RTD thing is like perfect for that. But a lot of times when bourbon's involved, it's like such a high ABV, high calories, high sugar. It's like one or two and then it's like, you're done. Um, and see, that's why I love that Sippany brand is because it has the essence of, there's not sugar there. It's like honey and it, it has the essence of the whiskey. I don't know what Jim Beam was thinking here, but I don't taste any whiskey in that. I don't taste any bourbon. I don't even know what that is. Well, I mean, to be fair, what we say, how many, what was the ABV on it? 5%. Yeah. So the mean, same as a beer, like Miller Lite or something. But let's say- I mean, let's, if, I, if, if you were to take a pour of bourbon that's 100 proof and you try to take it down to 10, what do you think it's going to look like? Oh, I, I know. It's not what it looks like. It's not what it tastes like. I know it wouldn't taste like that. I mean, that just is- that's an abomination to even have bourbon on the label. I've, Jim Beam should be ashamed of that. <laughs> oh, boy. <laughs> well, I guess Jim Beam's not going to be sponsoring Bourbon Pursuit anytime no, soon. <laughs> not with RTDs. And <laughs> Not with RTDs. Yeah, sorry, guys. No, it's okay. That's what you do best. You're unfiltered, and you give your your honest opinion of taste. I mean, I love, taste. I love Jim Beam. I mean, that's a great brand. They're an incredible distillery, but that sucks. <laughs> well, fair enough. You yeah. go to the next one. Well, let's go ahead and do that. <laughs> I, mean, we'll, we'll, I could keep going on if you want. So we'll do, let's see, we'll do another big one. All right. Okay. So moving to Jack Daniels. So this is yeah, going to be Jack Daniels. The two Daniels. biggest players in the bourbon game. All right. Ah, I've had this yeah. one before too. All right. So this is the Jack Daniels 
Tennessee honey version, and it says lemonade on it. So it's a lemonade, Tennessee honey. I, I don't really know. Ryan, do you want to keep doing the label reading? You, you were so good with that. Yeah, once you hand me the candle, I'll, yeah. I'll start reading it. But uh, okay, go ahead. go ahead and give the deets on it real quick. Yeah, seems so we've got, got a lot more material. You know, back so it there. looks like this is made with Jack Daniels Tennessee honey, not just Jack Daniels. Oh. This is seven percent alcohol, so uh, a lot more bang for your buck. There's no nutritional facts on here. That must be on the box. Probably so, well, the, I don't think they're required. Are they? Are they? They're not required. Yeah. No. Okay. Well, let's so try the this. volunteer thing. Yeah. So typically, or, I do like the lemon. Tea kind of bourbon RTD kind of flavors. Yeah. Those typically go well together for me. Well, I'll, I'll just right out of the gate. This smells like what's on the label. That smells like lemonade and honey to me. It sure does. Yeah, it's got like a almost pine salty kind of note. I don't know why I'm nosing this. <laughs> <laughs> That's like I think we might have been the only people in history to nose an RTD. Yeah, we're that lame. <laughs> I like this, and I've had this before, but I think I like it more now. But yeah, this is much more. The sugar content's got to be. 10 grams plus on this. It's It probably is. It's but it's very sweet, refreshing. Yeah. I could, I drink could be on a on boat. boat. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Jinxies. Waiting for the boat punch to come out now. <laughs> yeah, boat or golf course. But 7%, this is, I mean, it won't take long. You know, most beers are four and a half, five. So, got yeah. 2%. I don't think that's a that's a stretch of for what that is. I mean, well, most, most, craft, most craft beers are probably around that area as well, between five to seven. Well, for every three, you're drinking an extra one. And that's right, basically, because that two extra percent, you're, well, four, I guess. Four, if you drink four, that would be another two percent. Right, his, his math is just off my head. We're doing alcohol math right now, <laughs> folks. Yeah, that's probably why it's not registering. It's <laughs> alcohol math. So this is fantastic. Uh, Ryan, to kind of catch on to what you were saying there, let's talk about the health aspect. Of, and I don't want to say health, but the sugar content, everything like that. For you, that's a very important thing when it comes to this. And I think that... When you look at the RTD category, when you especially look at the seltzer base, the uh, the vodka base, you really have to pay attention because it's kind of like a, a hidden behind the scenes because it could really sneak up on you how many grams of sugar you're taking in. And I know for you, that's kind of an important thing too. Well, yeah, because diabetes runs in my family, type 2 and type 1. So I'm very, I guess, insulin resistant sensitivity to sugar and carbohydrates in general. And two, even like something like a high noon or a malt beverage says zero, one gram of sugar, zero sugar. It's still not factually correct because alcohol is the first component. When you ingest alcohol, it's the first component your body starts to break down. And so it has to break that down first for anything. And it, so it's pretty much treating it like sugar or calories, extra calories that your body's having to work overtime to get rid of that. And that's why when you're trying to lose weight, they'll discourage you from drinking alcohol but yes they sneak a lot of sugar in them for me i've done blood sugar tests and after drinking some of the ones with the higher sugar mine can shoot up to 150 200 in a matter of minutes you know and so if you're insulin resistance sugar sensitivity you definitely got to watch these because they definitely can hide some sugar in there and some of them disclose them some of them don't so yeah and that's the thing it's like when something says it's low calorie low sugar don't always like take that at At face value face value and i probably butchered the health way the body breaks down alcohol, but I think I'm close to that. But I'm sure some doctor will write in like he's a dumbass and <laughs> his math is wrong too. So just don't listen to. Him. I mean, I remember looking at the amount of sugar that's just on a regular can of Red Bull, and I said, okay, at least if I'm going to do Red Bull, sugar free from now on, yeah, because that was that was a wake up call for me. When well, I saw even that. like Sprites have 55 grams of sugar. You know, that's like two days worth of yeah, 200 percent <laughs> of your daily intake or something yeah. like that. And some of the rums out there too, you know, they add sugar, right? So. And tequilas. Yeah. yeah, I mean it's it's an issue in spirits, and they should disclose that stuff, but they don't always do it. Yep, and I guess that's where you kind of break out of the bounds of this with bourbon, because bourbon by law, of course, you can't have any additives or sugar or anything. I and mean, like that's, that. that's unless why. they have a finish on the label in which they can sneak a little sugar. That's why you know what we should do. So now I can, if we can find the companies who are doing the shenanigans, because I can take out my blood sugar after <laughs> doing straight bourbon. Then if I do a finished bourbon and it raises it, we know that. They're because, adding something. And that's why I started drinking. I drink bourbon before, but I drink a lot of Miller Lighter beer. But then I switched from that to like the seltzers because it didn't have a really much impact on my blood sugar level. It would wow. take it from like my fasting is usually in the 90s, but it would take it to like 100 or 110. But if you put sugar in it, it, it 
shoots up real fast to like 150. So that'd be a good test. Well, we should do. By the way, that would be a great TikTok. Let's do that. Uh, <laughs> let's do that video, and then everybody would sue us for <laughs> for revealing <laughs> their go. secrets. Actually, no, it can't sue you for how your blood reacts. That's true. Yeah. So the other thing I want to kind of dig into was this is consumer behavior and consumer trend and consumer drives. So the one thing that I was interested about RTDs and why I still think bourbon RTDs are, if we were to think about an episode we had done before, is that they're still kind of a little bit underrated is because this is a gateway. This is something that could get people in the door to actually start saying like, oh, maybe I do like bourbon. It's the same exact way that we think of people that start drinking cocktails with bourbon-based cocktails, like, ah, oh, I don't drink bourbon. Be like, well, here, let me give you a Blackberry Smash. They'll try it and they go, wait, there's bourbon in here? And be like, oh, yeah, exactly. And so this is one of those just easy gravitational things. And so I kind of want to get your all's thoughts on that as well. Yeah, I think the gateway theories is overblown quite a bit. They said the same thing with flavored whiskey in 2006 to 2012. And then a lot of those brands disbanded, a lot of those flavored whiskey brands. I think this is more than anything just capitalizing on White Claw. I mean, just like Fireball created the flavored whiskey craze, White Claw created the RTD craze. But what's interesting is like these are taxed differently. They're very different products. And so the consumers don't know that. And you have what you've been able to do is like the distillers have been able to tap into um, that craze for White Claw but also bring in like the craft cocktail movement. And you got, you've got several craft brands up here. And this is, this is a place that like a, a true craft purveyor can really stand out. But th- there's a lot of money that goes into the packaging and getting these things canned. Yeah, there's a big startup cost with these. Yeah. Yeah. And some of this, you said craft. I think the only one that has kind of really got our attention, of course, is Sagamore and their canned cocktails because we've always been big fans of them. But to be fair, you we don't, had those a pursuit palooza. We did, we did. Yeah. But this is not necessarily a category where you have to have a brand recognition or a brand that exists to be able to create an RTD that'll be successful. I know there's one that's based out of Texas. I think it's called like Horse Neck or something like that. Like they're doing stuff. I've seen other small form canned old fashions that are not necessarily coming from any brand whatsoever. So. We can talk about economics here in a second, but this is a way for a brand just to be able to, not even a brand, just for anybody to enter into a market that might be untapped. But here's the thing is like, if you know bourbon, by no means does that mean that you should go and create a bourbon RTD brand. However, if you are in the RTD category already, or if you know canning, or you know that process, you know marketing about it, well, I'm sure just creating a bourbon-based X derivative of it is an easier lift than actually taking something that's already an established brand and moving it into the canned cocktail sector. Yeah, that's probably fair. I've found a lot of tequila-based seltzers that weren't tequila brands that, okay, Mamitas was kind of the ones, that, I think one of the first ones that was not necessarily a tequila brand and I got onto those. But now you start to see like Cuervo and whatever, Don Julio and all them starting to make yeah. the RTD space. But yeah, it's kind of like people outside of the industry kind of pushing the innovation and whatnot and you see the let them prove the concept and then us bigger boys will get in and, and replicate it with our stuff. And what's interesting about this is like these have been around forever. This is actually well, Yeah, Lynchburg new. Lemonades. Was that, this stuff has been around forever. What has changed is the packaging. Bottled cocktails have long been a thing, but you come out with a 750 cocktail, it's going to fail. It's not going to do well. This is truly a canned market. And I think the other style that can work is what we have here with the homeschool blood orange Manhattan. This is kind of like that small little champagne pit you would get on a plane, you know, so it's that kind of size. Also, this thing's 70 proof. So this is like, <laughs> they, they didn't hold back on this one. Yeah, <laughs> homeschool bottled craft cocktail blood orange Manhattan made with bourbon whiskey, vermouth, and bitters. Yeah, we'll, we'll jump what, What's that. fascinating is how popular these are in Australia and like in Korea and other countries, and they've been forever. You know, and now it's just kind of catching on in the U.S. You know, I met some individual in Australia that had a canned cocktail RTD bourbon that I'd never even heard of. And they sourced like 50,000 barrels a year for their Mm -hmm. brand. And it's like, holy cow, you know, and that's stuff you don't even think about when people say, oh, there's going to be a whiskey glut or blah, blah, blah. You know, and there's like all that market that still needs whiskey for that. So, 
And a little bit of a sidebar here, when Australia's market changed, their taxes changed in the 90s, a lot of brands were gearing up for the RTD market. It's been going on in Australia since really, since the 80s. But in the 90s, the American distillers saw that as a point of growth for them. I got a ball open, Kenny. Yeah, Kenny's, Kenny's like, over here trying to fumble with his wedding ring. <laughs> I was like trying to do that thing. I was like, that was a mistake. Here's, here's, the, here's the sound, Kenny. Here we go, here we go. Oh boy, just fumbled that one. He's going in. There it is. Yeah, it didn't sound as sexy as it can. <laughs> Not as much. Yeah. But the market changed, and so a lot of that whiskey would go on the open market. And to think about this, they were going to sell Stitzel Weller juice for RTDs uh, in Australia. I know. It's like, you don't know the potential of those barrels you're putting in this stuff, but <laughs> I get it. You got to have, have some kind of whiskey. Okay, we're moving on to the third one. Ryan, go ahead and give the, the details since you, yeah, so you're not we, designated as that person. Uh, I don't and, know. Uh, we'll give the brand name as well because I forgot. To yeah, say. so we have the Homeschool Bottled Craft Cocktail. Right here we have, as Fred said, a Blood Orange Manhattan, which is a Manhattan made with bourbon whiskey, vermouth, and bitters. So it says serve over ice, garnish with an orange peel. And this is, as Fred said, 35% or 70 proof. And there is 6.6 .6 fluid ounces in this. And there are no health statistics on this but oh it is made by savage and cook oh. so that's uh the prisoner folks that make prisoner wine and uh saldo and all that which i love their product this is delicious but they also do their own yeah they have their own bourbon, bourbon uh, as well which is called savage and cook i think yes i think you're right <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> which makes sense so anyhow this is absolutely delicious yes yeah, smells I mean, great it's a really good concoction. I agree. And this is actually the only one that we've tried so far that isn't a bubbly. Yeah, yeah. It's, this is more a, of like a true Manhattan that you can just, you don't want to take a, a whole bottle of vermouth and bourbon and bitters and whatnot. This is like, just pop it open. This would be great. Camping or something. this, man. I want a steak so badly. Yeah, this is really good. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I could get in trouble with this one. <laughs> yeah. So well, I brought the spit bucket. There you go. The other thing that, Ryan, you brought up uh, that I really liked is we should touch on the geography and like why this makes it so important because Americans are just now starting to, to see this. For the longest time, Wild Turkey and Jack Daniels, that's been a mainstay of, of having Wild Turkey and Coke or Jack Daniels and soda. It's not even Coke. It's whatever you want to call it. Cola is what they were selling for the, the longest time. And you could get those out of vending machines across Australia and Japan for quite some time. And now we're starting to see that come this way. Now, when I was actually going and shopping at Total Wine, I did see the Jack Daniels and, and Coca-Cola, but I decided probably not to I do mean, that. It's going to taste... It's, we know. I've actually... We had it at uh, the Brown Foreman event at Churchill on that Wednesday. Remember, they brought us a bunch out. Mm -hmm. Or No, I think you'd left by then. So oh, maybe not. I think that was just me. <laughs> After drinking like... 20-year-old Brown Foreman whiskey. They're like, here's some canned cocktails. Chase it down with. Can. It's, it's funny we call that a cocktail. Well, whatever. Here's a <laughs> Jack and Coke. But anyway. It, yeah. And it is technically a cocktail. Yeah, I mean. If I, you're going to call rum and, rum and Coke a Cuba Libra, then yeah. <laughs> Cuba Libra. That sounds better than a rum and Coke. Bourbon Libra. That's right. So, like I said, I think it's really interesting to kind of look at the geographies and now how USA is just kind of starting to catch on to this, but the category is growing. The next thing I want to kind of talk about is the economics of it. The one thing that Ryan and I, we've toyed with the idea of doing something in this realm, and I think we'll still toy with the idea of it, is because when we look at, and I'm not talking about the marketing aspect, I think that's a whole other deal, but in just the creation of it, you can take a barrel of whiskey and you can stretch this pretty damn far by going into this canned cocktail realm. I worked kind of with the Flavor Man folks. They do an exercise with you on like pricing out the various ingredients. And you're, I mean, you're at some of these, are, you can get down to like 25 cents to 70 cents, you know, of product cost in the bottle when you're selling a four pack. High noons, you know, are nine, 10 bucks. So you, you think of the economics, there's a lot of margin there. But with that, there's also, you know, I've talked to people in this space and the challenging thing is distribution. There's a, kind of more of a shelf life with these than regular alcohol. A lot of times stores don't want to bring like, case stacks of these things and they take up a lot of space on the shelf versus just rows of bottles. And so it's more of a challenge. I think there's more money spent in the marketing and distribution side of these than there is the actual ingredients. So it's still probably better profit margins once you get going, but up front, it's, exa it's exactly like beer then. 
Exactly. Well, yep. what kind of shelf life is is beer compared to a lot of these? I mean, I I know that of course in barrel aged beer, that's the that's the realm I play in. You could have them sit on the shelf for two three years, and you're like, actually, they get they get better. But that doesn't necessarily bode well for most beer brands. So, what kind of shelf life are you looking for at most of the RTDs? Do you have any idea? Shopify's already taken the cash register online, helping millions sell billions around the world. But did you know that Shopify can do the same thing at your retail store? Give your point of sale system a serious upgrade with Shopify. Shopify's point of sale is your command center for your retail store. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify has everything you need to sell in person. And with Shopify, you get a powerhouse selling partner that effortlessly unites your in-person and online sales into one source of truth. Track every sale across your business in one place and know exactly what's in stock. Connect with customers inline and online. Shopify helps you drive store traffic with plug-and-play tools built for marketing campaigns, from TikTok to Instagram and beyond. And get hardware that fits your business. Take payments by smartphone. Transform your tablet into a point-of-sale system or use Shopify's point-of-sale Go Mobile device for a battle-tested solution. Plus, Shopify's award-winning 24-7 help is there to support your success every step of the way. Do retail right with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash bourbon, all lowercase, and go to shopify.com slash bourbon to take your retail business to the next level today. Shopify.com slash bourbon. If you're anything like me, then you can't get enough about bourbon. And that's why I'm a subscriber to Bourbon Plus magazine. Bourbon Plus is a quarterly publication that tells the stories from the heart of bourbon, the farmers who grow the grain, the distillers who labor over the process, and the people like you and me who raise their glasses to celebrate it all. Subscribe to Bourbon Plus magazine today at bourbonplus.com, that's P-L-U-S dot com, and use code PURSUIT at checkout for $5 off your subscription. So what kind of shelf life are you looking for at most of the RTDs? Do you have any idea? I don't know. I think most beers are what, like 120 days where they start. They don't like them going past that on the shelves. 120 days. Unless I, I don't know. Someone, right? Unless it's refrigerated, but somebody would have to like, I don't know. I, I'm not intelligent enough on this, but. Just throwing things out there. Yeah. I mean, that's a good question. I don't know. Well, technically, like all of these things have a shelf life. Diageo would pick up their bourbon if it hasn't moved in like a year or two, you know, so they'll they'll pick their stuff up. But I mean, spirit would technically keep longer than beer because it's there's nothing active in it. So like it can't go as bad as easily. But well, I think when you add sugar, though, it can. Yeah, that's yeah probably- that, well, it's true. Yeah, that we go going back to the sugar thing. But from an economic perspective, I've also found it interesting, like how there's no, there is a particular style of a can, but some of them are paper, some of them are aluminum, and it seems to be like they're four packs, they're not six packs, you know, and they use that plastic top. If you are a canning facility or uh, someone who is good at bottling, man, this is a great time to be in that business because... So many people have these great RTD ideas, but they can't actually get them done. Yeah, there's definitely no shortage of ideas that are flowing through here. It's the execution. And I think that also goes back to what you're saying on the marketing side. It's probably really hard to figure out how do you talk about homeschool? Like, let's take that, for instance. Like, I never heard of it. I don't know. I just went to Total Wine and I started looking. I said, what are all the bourbon-based RTDs that are available for me? I saw it and I said, okay, cool. I'll go ahead and pick it up. And it's not to say that it was a, a And lo and behold, it's from someone we know. But. Yeah, I know. How weird. But that was one of those things I kind of looked at and I said, well, uh, Blood of Orange Manhattan. Let's go. I wonder why they named it, it homeschool. It's like, are they targeting moms who are teaching at home? <laughs> you know, it's like, this will get you through your day. <laughs> yeah. That's a great question. Yeah, I don't know. Not too but sure either. Huge thumbs up for me on that one. That was delicious. Yeah, I, I enjoyed it. that one. You know, another thing about the, the RTD craze to kind of take an angle on here is, you know, I like the, the packaging aspect. When we start thinking about what is an RTD, what do you all define it as? Because everything that I picked up here is already some sort of pre-made cocktail, mostly in a can. I got one that's kind of in a small little airplane bottle. Fred, you mm-hmm. had it said it was kind of like an old champagne thing. But you have other brands that are coming from Brown Foreman as well as other places, and they're doing either 375 or 750s in pre-mixed in glass bottles. Right. And that... I feel is a lot harder to sell 
in that form than it is to in a canned form. I think it is. And sometimes they're very good. Like Charles Woodson, he had a Manhattan that came out and I told Charles, I was like, man, this is the best product you have in all your SKUs and spirits. Like, but I don't know if it's the right packaging. We are consuming this as soon as we open it. With the full bottles, there's an expectation that that lasts several times. But if you've had one of these, they're different after you've opened it for a little while. They change. The mixture changes because oxygen has come in. You've poured some of it out. So maybe it's not as equal. I don't know. But they're definitely different from the first drink you pour out of a 750 to the last one. I would agree with that. For me, from a consistency standpoint, I prefer canned ones. And I don't really consider the ones in glass or this and that because it's like, there's no way you're this homeschool. You're going to, I mean, granted this, the nice thing about this comes in a one small size, but I have seen like, you know, the three, seven fives or whatever of old fashioned. And not, by the way, that thing, if I poured it into a, there's only seven ounces in this. That's a quite a lot. That's that basically, quite a lot. That's, that's two or three Manhattans. That's, that's two Manhattans. Yeah. A lot of people He's, getting hammered off that. Yeah. But yeah, I don't, I mean, I guess you could consider like the old Forester mint julep and Evan Williams eggnog RTD too, right? Cause it's kind of a, Cocktail. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. Drink on a can. I think those we would maybe classify those as a cures or something. Yeah. I don't, I don't think we would go straight as far as. Uh, it is fascinating just looking at these. It reminds me of the energy drink, like Gold Rush back in the early 2000s, where you just had like, were those crazy ones? Like Rockstar and Monster. Locos. Loco, four Locos. Yeah. Yeah. It kind of feels like that. It's like you kind of see that happening. With all these packages and all these people, this gold rush for this RTD craze. So here's my final thought on the, like, what is an RTD? If you open it and then you can't close it, that's a ready to drink. So like if you open it and like you can't close it. So like everything you have here on the table, you can't close it because you had a top that was a cap and the rest of these are cans. So there's not, they don't naturally close on themselves. So that's how that's ready to drink and throw away. Be interesting that, that. what's the one that, it's the old fashioned gold. Is it gold fashioned? The gold fashioned. It's like a seven fifty yeah. of uh, pre made, pre made old, old fashioned stuff. But it was supposed to be using the best of the best of saffron from Afghanistan and like all this other kind of stuff and squib juice from. Yeah. <laughs> no. I mean, then somebody actually it was really use good. gold flake. It was too. good. It's not, well, that's gold slogger. <laughs> no, someone. Well, yes, but that was. That's, that's also an RTD. Someone recently came out with like a ten thousand dollar bottle in these gold flakes. I was wondering. I was like. Like, can your body process wow. gold? I think I did hear that, but I can't remember who it was. Maybe it was the outer space people. That, oh, for God's sake. That, the, that, the, oh. the barrels that are going to the moon or whatever. Yeah. That's, in the, yeah. All right. Well, I got a few more questions queued up here. We got but, one more. Oh, we, we got, got, two, we got two, two more. We got two more. Oh, uh, and by the way, speaking <laughs> of it, hang tight, my friend. <laughs> It's speaking of the gold rush thing, I've actually talked to somebody that's actually local here. They have their own RTD company. And she said this is probably one of the most difficult categories right now because there is such a huge influx of people doing it that it's hard. Like distributors are very worried about taking them on. Well, yeah, I'm sure it's just like the bourbon industry. There's so many people trying to. I think it's worse than that. Yeah. To be honest with you. Well, because, because you as you mentioned, gin, you got tequila, you got bourbon. You that's got, true. You yeah. got that, and you got shelf life thing to worry about. Yeah. Like, if it doesn't sell, like, who's eating the cost of it? Like, it's, and they won't take you on. So it's definitely tricky. And this doesn't appeal to the people who go in the liquor stores at eight o'clock in the morning to drink in the parking lot. This is the boat crowd. Yeah. And too, that's what, you know, talking with the folks at Sagamore, it's a very seasonal type drink. Like, yeah. you got to get in the hands of people by Memorial Day and, Memorial Day to Labor Day is your season, and that is it. You know, after yeah. that, they just fall off. They're not drinking by the campfire. Nope. The or the boat or the go. I mean, I guess you can be in the boat in the winter and freezing. Yeah. But that's when you want regular bourbon. <laughs> that or you got to get to Florida and you got to start selling with the golf course. That's true. They're, they're probably full year round down there. But Yeah. All right. So this next one is from a company called Canvas. I'll let you do it. But this is a bourbon lemon spice. It's made with bourbon whiskey, real juice, and natural flavors. Right. Art by Alex Rodriguez. That's a Boone County, isn't it? Is it? I'm going to let you speak of all the details on it. I mean, it says Boone County on the side. Does oh, it? No, I don't I, know. I didn't I didn't see it. <laughs> Fred just snorted. Yeah, I know. I wasn't I, reading the label. Was, uh, oh, my God. That's so funny. <laughs> I don't know what it is. Is it on their side, buddy? It, yeah, I know. It's actually on the it's side. It's right there. Ooh, it looks... I, thought you were, I thought you were fucking with kidding. <laughs> I was like, I'm dead serious. I have no freaking clue. Yeah, this that looks pretty clear. What is this? Oh, but it's 8% ABV. That's pretty strong. This smells like... Uh, and then there's 
type of meat. It's it's lemon spice. So yeah. no nutritional facts on here. It is gluten free, which pretty much all is there honey in this? cocktails. Is there honey? Yeah, in there's honey and spice. I mean, yeah, I don't know. I can I can get art that. by Alex Rodriguez, the this, baseball this, player. That's what I was thinking. But this smells like mead. Like mead. Huh. Like honey wine. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's it's actually not too far from that. It actually smells pretty good. Yeah. This is uh, probably categorized as another boat drink, if I had to guess it. Huh. Yeah. Mm. I mean, it's, it's little, way better than the Jim Beam. It's a little a little more, I like the- A little too artificial? Yeah, a little too artificial. Or is it just too sweet? I, I mean, yeah. I don't know. I think they might've put too much lemon juice in there. It's very- I mean, because my when I have yeah, the a, lemon's very strong. It's like I mean, like the roof of my mouth is like flaring up. The Jack Daniels one's much more balanced. <laughs> yeah, this is not balanced. If a if an RTD can be balanced, balanced. <laughs> but I dare say you drop a piece of ice in that, maybe dilute it a little bit. Might have a little lemony. There. Yeah, it might tastes like like a those San Pellegrino lemon sodas. Yeah, they're just really strong. Lemon. I can work with this. It's very good. Yeah, um, I can work with this. Yeah. All right. So the other thing I want to kind of talk about is you had mentioned bourbon cream. Do we consider bourbon cream an RTD? Because cream, yeah, that is, cream liqueurs are their own thing. Because that's a category that, well, a people that we've been in the business with for a little bit, they always like you need to come out with a bourbon cream because it's the hottest seller you're going to have at your gift shop. Yeah, and Americans like sweet stuff, and everybody likes to mix a little bourbon cream in the morning before going that's to work. Right. Apparently. <laughs> So a little side anecdote for you. Sure. Give us the history of bourbon cream. <laughs> well, sure no, I'll, I'll withdraw from Back that. Back in 1800s, <laughs> Colonel E.H. Taylor. Actually, it goes further than that. But in the spirits competitions, that is where you put your rookie judges. You put them on the, the, bourbon cre- the cream liqueurs because nobody wants to see that spit bucket. <laughs> oh, oh gosh. Yeah, that's gross. Oh. <laughs> I just got a visual and now yeah. I, I got one now too. Hey, well, if anybody would like to be a judge for the Ascots, uh, we got to- I remember one year, yes, me and you're like, yeah, we're going to put you in gin. I was like, I'm not doing gin. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, just exclude me. So put the other rookie judges. Ryan, what are your thoughts on, on bourbon cream as a category as well? I love bourbon cream because obviously I love coffee. It goes well with that, but I think it also just a lot of- to me, it's more of a gateway than these. Like people can get their totally. They can wrap their heads around. They put a little bourbon cream in their soda, or like a coke or a root beer. How about or, some ice cream? Or, that's right? what I was gonna say. Ice yeah. cream or desserts. You know, it's a very easy like thing for people to like grasp to get to wrap their heads around. And so, uh, and I, I think the flavors are incredible with bourbon creams. Yeah. Well, I haven't done any with ice cream. Oh, it's. I mean. It's not what I would like to probably do is just do it the old fashioned way. Just get an old coffee can, get some ice and some salt and actually add the cream and actually make the ice cream yeah. with the bourbon cream. I've actually been making espresso martinis, but not with vodka and Kahlua. I've been doing bourbon cream and bourbon with espresso and making them that way. And man, are they fantastic. They're so good. Hmm. Yeah. You should try that. Cocktail hour of Cecil. That's right. It'll be coming soon. Pursuit Spirits, Instagram. Watch that. There you go. All right. So the next question I'll kind of throw at you all is we've tried a few different ones now. Homeschool is the exception. We have one more to kind of go through, which is a, it's an old fashioned. Do you prefer carbonation or no carbonation? I prefer carbonation. Hmm. With canned cocktails. So this is where I have a hard time with the canned old fashions. That one was very good. I don't like the ones that don't have carbonation. I just pour in a glass. A lot of times they're overly sweet. They're very thick. The consistency is weird. I just like the thinner, lighter weight carbonated ones better for me personally. Do you like barley wine? Oh, no, I hate it. Oh, I I enjoy it. Like barley wine, beer, the beer? Yeah. Oh, no, Mm -hmm. that's not my jam. Oh, yeah. It's too sour. Barrel-aged barley wine. I love barley wine. Yeah. Yuck. I think it's going to depend on the type. This old fashioned will be an interesting one. Yeah, we'll see. I would say I wouldn't want that to be carbonated, but I want my honey and bourbon or ginger. I want that to be carbonated. So I think I'm going to depends on what it is kind of. Good. Yeah, that's true. Because I love the lemon tea fizz from Sagamore, but they're all carbonated, aren't they? Or all from Sagamore? Yeah, I th- th- that's why I like them all. Yeah. Well, I mean, it it, it has that beer, that seltzer, that whatever kind that of vibe crisp. to it. It's like that yeah. sensation that. That carbonate, just like when you're in most of these settings, I'm going to be outside where, well, some's dripping from the bottom there. Yeah, whatever. It's oh, got a hole in the bottom. 
Yeah, doesn't matter. Thomas Ashbourne. Yeah, so you want to you explain what's, what we're drinking here, Fred? So we're having a Thomas Ashbourne. This is a classic old-fashioned uh, premium craft cocktail, all natural ingredients. Hints of sweet maple wood, aromas of caramel, and notes of bright orange bitters. 25% alcohol by volume, otherwise oh, wow. known as 50 proof. And it's got a picture of an old man on the back and a signature from Thomas Ashburn. When Thomas Ashburn perfected his old fashioned back in 1922. No way. Oh, God, here's the story. He pulled out all the stops, handcrafted and bottled in the United States, the perfect cocktail to complement your perfect taste. You know what's uh, interesting about this one? Um, I just poured it. It's like half carbonated. And so the co-founder could kick all of our asses. John Cena is a cool oh, co-founder. Oh, interesting. Yeah. yeah. Right, don't sit I, back I think this is I think it's the best cocktail to ever try. I actually <laughs> I like John Cena. I don't know him. I tried to get him on my show once and they said, Yeah, he doesn't do alcohol. I'm like, okay. okay. I want to take this brain. back. I want to take this back to him and say, All right, I'll drink this with him on my show. Yeah. yeah, it's like J Lo. She doesn't drink, and she has a she has her, her own RTD tequila one. What's up? Well, can you pass it to me? I want to try. Quit looking. At <laughs> oh, oh, I forgot. I forgot about Ryan. Yeah, Jeez. golly. No nutritional facts. No nutritional facts it. on this one. And if I do recall correctly, this is actually one of the more expensive ones out of the four that we that I picked up. I mean, so. it looks fancy town. I do like the packaging. It looks like something you would get out of England or something like a. All right. Well, it's definitely not carbonated. Oh no. Uh. Uh-uh. Sorry, Casino. <laughs> It honestly just tastes like a watered-down old-fashioned. Yeah, that tastes like something, bad. I, something you left out overnight. I'm just surprised there's not a cigarette butt in it. <laughs> <laughs> Ryan, tasting notes? Mm. Yeah, that's strange. It tastes like old tea, real sugary old tea. Yeah. That like the... He might need to check his blood sugar right now. Yeah, that one's sugary too. That one kind of missed the mark for me too. Yeah. It's one of those things like an old fashioned sounds, and that's, I think that's the hardest thing we start thinking about is when we take classics, we take an old fashioned, we take a Manhattan, we try to translate it into an RTD. Yeah. It's very, very hard because right. you need the right amounts, you need the fresh ingredients. And then if you're starting to hit, what's the ABV on that one, Ryan? That this one's 25%. 25%? Actually, yeah. it's a lot more than I thought it was going to be. So it's 50 per 25%. I mean, it tastes like earthy and smoky. I mean, John Weird. Cena would not want us to provide excuses for him. I mean, they just need to do what homeschool's doing over here and figure it out yeah. because I don't know what they did here. I think they used too much sugar. Yeah. I think that's what they did. And they didn't have a big enough bourbon to stand up to all of it. Yeah. I guess that's another thing. Like, let's let's talk about the bourbon that goes into this. Does it matter? Because I don't know. after tasting these, I think it does. Yeah, <laughs> like Sagamore has a four year. I don't think they use whiskey. the four year anymore. I uh-huh. think it, they they removed the age statement from it. I don't know if you noticed recently. I haven't, but it was four year age stated uh, can cocktails. But yeah, because a lot of these are probably using you know two year, two year maybe um, just for the color's sake, maybe one to two year. I keep uh, going. I mentioned them at the top. I'll say it again. Sipony. They use four-year, and they will not bottle anything under that. But I'm a big fan of like having a little age there because if you don't, if you don't have any, if you don't have a flavor profile in your bourbon, then what's the point? Yeah, that you tastes know? like young hot whiskey in an old-fashioned. <laughs> I don't know if it tastes like that. I think it, it tastes diluted and it tastes like a lot of sugar. That's what know. that's what I'm getting I out of taste. it. That was probably my second least favorite. You want to guess what my least favorite was? Yeah, that was a that was an easy one. I mean, out of all these, I, I think I'll gravitate probably towards homeschool. That was my yeah. favorite of the of the it three. Was, was, homeschool, then probably Jack Daniels honey lemonade, and then the canvas, and then old fashioned. It's, it's a tie. For Thomas Ashbourne can fight for last. <laughs> I'll say this: the, the canvas is they're doing something right. They, yeah, they, they're, they're on the right path. They're this. on the right path. They just got to figure out maybe too much lemon on that. Um, yeah. But man, homeschool, that's every bit as good, if not better, than the Manhattan you're going to get in in oh, yeah. your average steakhouse. I agree with that. Probably better. A lot of times, yeah. they butcher those. <laughs> you get two of them in a single glo- a single bottle. I know. What was the cost on this for a four pack? I or? think it was like. Twenty twenty four dollars for a four pack or something like bad. that. That's incredible. So it was yeah. it was actually if you think if you break it down if you get eight cocktails out of it, that's Jeez. a that's a pretty good deal. You could enter really entertain a dinner party with that right there. Yeah, yeah. I, I'm gonna do that and be like, look at these Manhattans, <laughs> batch Manhattans. <laughs> <laughs> Go. That's awesome. Oh man. 
So like I said, kind of closing thoughts on this. I kind of want to get y'all's idea on like where this category can go. Should it go? Should it keep going? In my opinion, this is a place that I wouldn't say it's ripe for disruption, but there's definitely a place where you can make a name for yourself or you can create something good. I mean, like I said, we tried a bunch here. We've preached the gospel of Sagamore for a long time because we got turned into those a long time ago and they make some amazing RTDs. But And full disclosure, they do make our whiskey they, for us. So they do. Some but, buys, but they are really good. But they are really good. And plus, a lot of people like them. They, they're fantastic. But that just goes to show you, I think there is an opportunity to be able to do this. It's probably not going to be the hottest seller during the winter months. This is definitely going to be a springtime, summertime kind of thing where you've got to really time this out well, because you've got to get people that are going to be either outdoors, going to picnics, just doing something that it doesn't require a mixologist to be with you or take a lot of the stuff with you. And if you can package something that's good, and I think we all kind of agree, like we like the can form factor, and we, mm-hmm. I think we kind of like the, the carbonation factor. I think those two kind of really play into it of just kind of having that refreshing feel to it. Yeah, yeah, I think the opportunity is if you can somehow create a product that can compete with High Noon. High Noon just passed a billion, White Claws way more than that. If you can find something that's got that bourbon, a little bit of bourbon taste, but crisp, refreshing, light, still these are just kind of more just so sweet spectrum that it's kind of missing that mark. But they're close. They're getting better than the ones I've had in prior years. So I think they'll just continue and improve and, and try to make this a legitimate category. Because I do, I do think there's a lot of runway with it from a convenience factor, cost factor. People like convenience, and these are what easy. Would, what would make you want to get a bourbon-based RTD versus something that's like a vodka or tequila? Yeah, so, I mean, for me, if there's like a, gosh, I don't want to give my ideas away, but. <laughs> yeah, don't, don't give all. Yeah, the, but I mean, if, you know, I love, the reason I love the high noons is because they have just enough sweetness, enough fresh, like, fruitiness to it. That if there's something that would pair well with bourbon that just gives it like this refreshing, it's not like overly sweet. It's just like a nice, like crisp balance. That's one something I'm looking for, I guess, as you a know, consumer. If there was an influencer who would just take an ice chest full of RTDs to the beach with them and then play some nice music and pull one out and crack it open and just make me feel like I was there. That's what I'm looking for in an RTD. I want to be influenced. Kind of like the old Corona commercials, right? Yeah. That's kind of what you're thinking. I, I, I'm, actually, I'm actually not joking. I want to have an experience with these things. I want this to be connected to playing beach volleyball or something. I don't want to just like... I'm getting images of like Top Gun with Fred. You know? <laughs> I, I want something beach out volleyball. of it. I don't, I don't want to just drink it. I want it to be connected to something. I have to do something else to take my mind off the fact I'm drinking it. So... I mean, is that because like this, I can understand you are, you're a purist at the end of the day. Do you feel that this category of RTDs like has legs to stand on? Do you think this is a fad? Like, what do you think? No, I think it's here to stay because people are too lazy to make the drinks right at home. Well, I don't don't disagree. Yeah. The other But everybody's looking for something easy. I mean, that's why there's cocktail kits in the mail that exist and stuff like that. That's why we have microwaves. The fact is, is that right now there's like a Keurig level cocktail machine out there. Um, and if you want cocktails, but you don't want to make them, you don't want the mess, you don't want to try to figure it out, or you think your cocktails may suck, these are going to be the closest thing that you can get to something in the bar. And I'm telling you, that homeschool Manhattan is every bit as good or better than what I can make at home. So there we go. Yeah, I've had yours. They stink. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. I'm glad you can razz them every once in a while. It works. It works. Well, that's going to do it for another episode of Bourbon Pursuit. Love to hear what you think about RTDs. You know, Ryan and I, we're a little bullish on them. We're big fans of the category. But if you have ideas about it, go ahead, leave us a comment, put a review on Instagram when this episode drops, and also, of course, share with a friend. But with that, cheers, everybody. Have we, a good week, and we'll see you next time. we got to check Ryan's blood sugar. Oh, wait, sorry. Hook my finger. <laughs> <laughs> Toodles. Fuck sucks.